reached chapter 5 in our study of the book of 1st Corinthians. 1st Corinthians chapter 5 and we read verses 1 to 8. Joseph, thank you for reading the portion of scripture. I hope each and every one of you were paying careful attention to when the verses were being read. Because in 1st Corinthians chapter 5, Apostle Paul talks of the important topic concerning sin. All of us know, even without explaining chapter 5, that Apostle Paul not only talks about sin, but he talks about a, a specific sin that is being done in that church. Let me say it in this way. He is talking about a particular person living in a particular sinful way. And Apostle Paul, when he writes chapter 5, he basically talks to the church and he is asking them, how to deal with that person? How do you deal with that sin? How do you deal with that person living in that specific sin in his life within the church walls? Now when I read chapter 5, I, I take a moment and I praise and I thank God that the specific sin that is mentioned in chapter 5 is not present here. I praise God for that. But let me ask you in this way, is there sin present in our church? Yes or no? Is there acts of sexual immorality that can be conducted by you and me? Yes or no? So when we read chapter 5, we need to ask ourselves that important question. How do we deal with these specific kind of sins in our church? How do we deal with our lives? How do we deal with people in our church when we know that they are living a sinful life? But when I read this portion, the question that I actually wanted to ask is, what happens when I do not deal with... with sin in my church and that's the reason why i've entitled my sermon when we tolerate sin have you ever thought about that what happens when we tolerate sin in our church you know apostle paul says if there is someone sinful in your church this is what you're supposed to do if a person is involved in a particular kind of sin this is what you're supposed to do this is how you're supposed to behave and you notice in relation to sin it is not just certain people but the entire church is asked to be involved so think about in this way what happens to the church when you and i tolerate sin what happens to the church when you and i tolerate sin and i believe that in chapter 5 the foundational verse is verse 4 even before we look at what is explained here we need to look at what it says in verse 4 first corinthians chapter 5 and verses 4 what does it say there it says when you are assembled in the name of our lord jesus and i am with you in spirit and the power of our lord jesus is present you know what happens when we come together we need to realize this brothers and sisters visitors my dear friends give me per- careful attention we all gather together in the name of our lord jesus we all gather together in the name of our lord jesus In whose name do we gather? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who do we worship? The Lord Jesus Christ. This table would not be possible if it was not for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our worship, our praise, our exhortation, our singing would never reach heaven if it was not for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are gathered here today not by your name, not by any other name, but is by the name of our lord jesus christ when we gather in the name of our lord jesus christ 
And you know in verses 4, Apostle Paul tells two things happen when we gather in the name of our Lord. Two things happen. Look at what Apostle Paul says. When we are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I am with you in spirit. I am with you in spirit. Now you look at that word in spirit. When Paul says, I am with you in spirit, he's talking about his inner being. Who he is as a spiritual Christian in the Lord. But when he says, I am with you in spirit, he not only talks about his inner being, he says that my inner being, the Holy Spirit living in me, is so much so that I am physically present in the assembly. True or false? That's what he says, that I am, I am present with you in spirit. Apostle Paul says, even though I am not there with you, I am there with you in spirit. Spiritually, I am one with you in the Lord Jesus Christ. But spiritually, I am one with you in the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that it is like I am physically present. And then I pause at this minute and I wonder that in order for us to worship God, this verse is very important. It is not only important for us to be spiritually active, but it is also important for us to be physically present. Whenever church activities are being done. I hope you are trying to understand what I am trying to say. So it is not enough that you sit at home on a Sunday morning. It is not enough that everybody else is gathered for a church activity. No, that is not supposed to be possible. Whenever there is a church activity, be it worship or any other activity during the week, you and I must be present in spirit, spiritually active. But you and I must also be physically present. In order for anything to happen in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Apostle Paul says, "You and I, I, am, a, I am present with you in spirit. For every church activity, we must be spiritually active, but we must also be physically present. You notice he says it three times, verse 4 onwards, he says it verse 3 to 4. Look, even though I am physically absent, I am with you in spirit. As I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. Verse 4, when you were assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, I am with you in spirit. Number 1, brothers and sisters, when we gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is not only important for us to be spiritually active, we must be physically present. It is not enough for you and me to worship our Lord through the spirit, but it is important that physically we are awake, We are not sleeping. We are paying attention to what is happening in the assembly of God. Number one, when we gather together in the name of our Lord, we must be spiritually and physically present. Number two, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord is present. Wow! When we gather together as an assembly, the word of God says, the power of the Lord is present. The power of the Lord is present. We know this very well-known verse in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20. Can you repeat it after me? Where two or three are gathered in their name, there I am. And when the Lord Jesus is present in our midst, it says, the power of the Lord is evident. The power of the Lord is evident. Let me give you a couple of verses to understand what we are trying to say. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Can you say the last line with me? But to us who are being saved, it is. Oh, it is the power of God. We gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ because of the work seen on the cross. And the message of the cross 
this foolishness to the people outside to those who are perishing but to us it is the power of god if you turn to romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 we know this verse very well romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 i am not ashamed of the gospel why because it is louder it is it is the power of god i proclaim the gospel because it is the power of god for salvation for every one who believes for every single one who believes that means whenever we gather together when you and i are gathered in the name of our lord whether it be one or two whatever we decide together in the name of our lord the lord through his power will allow it to be completely fulfilled do we feel powerful when we come together to worship our god do we realize that the power of god is actually present when we worship him miraculous things wonderful things can actually take place can i read one more verse for you first corinthians chapter 5 verse 4 first corinthians chapter 5 and verse and verse 4 sorry sorry can you just turn me in acts chapter 4 and verse 27 sorry acts chapter 4 and verse 27 it says indeed herod and pontius pilate met together with the gentiles and the people of israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed they did what your power and will had decided before hand should happen now lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous sins and wonders through the name of your holy servant jesus was 31 after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly you look at that verse very carefully when the church came together when the enemies of god were plotting against the gospel when the enemies of god were plotting against the church the believers came together and they prayed they worshiped and they said lord your enemies are at our gates what shall we do and then you see that the power of god filled the church and because of which they were able to do miraculous things miraculous signs and you know nobody can stand in the presence of the power of god the power of god filled that church the power of god was visible in that church the power of god was demonstrated vocally physically spiritually in the lives of the believers why because they gathered together in the name of our lord and isn't that what we read in first corinthians chapter 5 and verses 4 when we assemble in the name of our lord number 1 we are present physically and spiritually number 2 the power of god is very evident in all that we will do but you know the power of god is not only demonstrated by miraculous signs and wonders the power of god is not only felt in the answers that we give to the people of this world you know the power of god when it is evident sin will be brought forth into the light when the power of god is evident sin will be brought forth into the light And let me explain it to you from Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 the verse that we read believers came together believers prayed and the power of God filled them. Now you look at the next two incidents that happened after that. In Acts chapter 4 was 32 to was 37 a young man Barnabas he sold his property took the money brought it into the feet of the apostles. Chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. Ananias and Sapphira sold their property, brought the money, put it into the apostles' feet. 
But was it both one and the same? No. When Barnabas sold his property, whatever he had, he brought into the presence of the church. But Ananias and Sapphira, because they plotted and planned with each other, they kept some aside. And you remember the words of Apostle Paul in chapter 5. You have not lied to us, but you have lied to God, the Holy Spirit. And the power of God was evident not only in miraculous signs and wonders, but the power of God struck them when they committed sin, as a result of which both of them physically died. Sin can never be quite in the presence of a powerful God. And if you look at chapter 5, verses 11, great fear spread throughout the entire church. Why? Not because of sin, but because of power of God. Because of the power of God. Barnabas bought his money. Ananias bought his, uh, their money. But they had lied to the Holy Spirit as a result of which the power of God brought out the sin that was there in their life. So it brings me back to the original question that I asked as we began this message. What happens when you and I tolerate sin? What happens when you and I tolerate sin? Now, believers, please listen to me very carefully. I'm talking about the fact that when you tolerate sin in your personal Christian life, when I tolerate sin in my personal Christian life, and when we come together as a church, and as a church, when we begin to tolerate sin, what happens to us? I want to share three simple points with you from this passage. And if you look at these three points that the passage teaches us, this can be applied to us personally, and it can also be applied to us as a church. It can be applied to us personally. It can be applied to us as a church. So what happens when I tolerate sin in my life? Number one, a small sickness will affect the entire body. A small sickness will affect the entire body. Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and let's look at verses 6. A small sickness will affect the entire body. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Don't you know that a little yeast works its way through a batch of dough? Don't you know that when you put yeast overnight, in the morning when you wake up, it will not remain the small size that it was, but it will start to grow. And this is what happens when you and I tolerate sin. In our personal life and in our church life. When you and I see sin, when you and I be quiet, when you and I don't do anything about it, when you and I go to the market and buy a rug and put it here and put every dust inside the rug without dealing with it, you and I will start to incur sickness that will in turn affect the entire body. You know, to elaborate this, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 26 and 27. For whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this, whoever eats this in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know we come here every week to participate of the Lord's table. When you and I participate of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. You and I are creating sickness in the church. You and I will become guilty. That will one day be standing in the judgment seat of Christ. Giving an account of all that you and I have actually done. If you were to turn to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. Quickly turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9. There it says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. 
Brothers and sisters, let us not fool ourselves. Let us not think that I come here and I am only considering myself. No. Let us not think that I am not concerned about how someone else is living their life. No. But brothers and sisters, let us not think that I am doing sin. I live in sin and no one else is affected by what I do. That is absolutely false. Because a little yeast, it works through the entire dough. When you and I are involved in personal sins, in fact, it will play out when you and I come to church and when you and I meet with one another. How? You might be thinking right now. Let me explain it in this way. Think about the guilt of your sin. Because when you and I commit sin, if the Holy Spirit is there, you and I will become guilty of that sin. And when you and I tolerate that sin, when you and I don't behave or do anything about that sin, the guilt of sin grows larger and larger. And then when I come to church, you know what's the thought in my mind? I begin to wonder, does anybody else know the sin that is there in me? And the moment somebody else talks to you differently, the conclusion that comes to your mind is, he or she is behaving differently because he or she is aware of the sin that I have done. And then as a result of which, you and I hesitate to talk to people. You and I withdraw ourselves from fellowship. You and I stand at the corner. And you know what happens internally after that? At the end, we start to think, why is everybody judge me? When in fact, nobody actually would be doing that. You are torturing yourself, my dear friend. When you come to church and you have wrong conclusions because of the guilt of your sin, that you are not willing to deal with your life. And if there is any of my brother and my sister who has such thoughts, please, I beg of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, do not continue with the guilt of your sin. Do not think that there are people here who unnecessarily look down on you. Probably there are not people like that. But that's what the guilt of sin does when I do not deal with it. I start to wonder why is everyone dealing differently with me. I start to wonder why people talk differently with me. I start to wonder, do people judge me? Do people look down on me? Oh, this is a church that judges and then I have a problem with the leadership. I have a problem with the decisions that are made. I have a problem with everyone when in fact nobody might have a problem with me. But it is all because of the sin that is there in my personal life. A small sickness will affect the whole body. Let's think about our church as a, as a whole. What about the sin of gossip? Is there anybody sitting here who thinks that the sin of gossip will build our church? Imagine if one of us start gossiping. Will not the east work through the entire door? So much so that the person that we gossip about, his testimony, her testimony is broken. What about the sin of lies? What about the sin of immorality? When we tolerate all of these things, sins, we in fact we are teaching others that it is alright for you to live that way. And in fact, a small sin, a small sickness will affect the entire body. And you and I know if you take a pin and we were to prick our small finger, that, would, that pain is enough to affect our entire body. So imagine the personal sins of our life that we don't deal with. Imagine how much that is being played when we come to church. Imagine sins that you and I collectively as a church we commit. And we don't want anybody to correct us. We don't want it to be mentioned from the pulpit. We get easily offended. We are so sensitive today. And over a period of time, that small sickness that we are all quiet about will spread into a deadly disease that not only affects me, but affects every single person in my church. Our personal sin and our sin that we commit as a church affects each and everybody 
in Calvary Bible Fellowship. All of my visitors from the local church that you come from, I want to tell you the same thing. The sins that you do personally, the sins that your assembly is involved in, if it is tolerated, it is a sickness that will become a disease that later will become a cancer that will be too hard for us to treat. And probably too late as well. Don't you know, Apostle Paul says in the scripture, that a small yeast will work its way through the door. Number two, habitual sin affects our participation from the Lord's table. Habitual sin affects our sin from the participation of the Lord's table. Verses seven, you look at what it says in verses seven. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raven explained that beautifully this morning from God's word. The Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. But when you read this verse, it's talking about eating bread without yeast. And in order to understand that, if you turn to Exodus chapter 12, there are two festivals that are mentioned there. In Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 13. The festival of the unleavened bread and the Passover festival. Both of these festivals were celebrated almost at the same time. So much so that the Jewish people considered them to be both one and the same. And during the festival of the unleavened bread, as we know, they were supposed to eat bread without yeast. Why would they eat that bread? Because it was a way in which they remembered their redemption from the land of Egypt. They remembered how they were once living as slaves in bondage under the Egyptian people. And when they eat bread without yeast, it is a reminder that they've been delivered from bondage, from darkness brought into marvelous light. And the Lord gives them this great festival and says, whenever you eat of it, remove the yeast and eat so that you will remember and rejoice in your redemption from your bondage of slavery in the land of Egypt. And we know for a fact that in the Bible, in the New Testament, yeast is always a representation of of sin. And the festival of the unreven bread or the Passover is the New Testament idea where we today celebrate the Lord's table. And the Lord's table also reminds us that we have been saved from bondage. Yes or no? Where we once slave, yes or no? Where we once far away from outside the city camps, yes or no? But today we are inside the holies of holies. We participate of this table. Body and blood broken for sinners like you and me. And that's why he says in verse 7, get rid of that old yeast. Get rid of sin in your life because you are now a new batch without sin. Why? Because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raven pointed that out. The difference between the Lord Jesus and the, high, and the priest of the Old Testament. He died for sins once and for all. But when you come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we don't have to turn there. We know that passage very well. There are clear-cut instructions on how you and I are supposed to participate of the Lord's table. Participate of the Lord's table. What should we do? We should examine ourselves. And let me make something very clear. I don't think that Sunday morning is the time for self-examination. I think self-examination happens throughout the week. And Sunday morning is an outflow of that self-examination. Let me say it in this way. If you are coming here on a Sunday morning to self-examine, I think you are a little late. Because worship is not what happens only on a Sunday morning. It happens every single day of your Christian life. 
Examination happens every single day of your Christian life. And then Sunday morning we gather together, we spend time with each other and we say, we are so happy that we are here together to worship our God. And then we stand up and we praise, we exhort, we proclaim, all because of what this table reminds us. Body broken, bloodshed for what the Lord Jesus has done for me. And in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, If anybody participates of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, you drink, you participate, judgment upon yourself. And you know, sin can hinder my participation of the Lord's table. You know, when you and I are involved in sin and we tolerate sin, when you and I partake of sin during the week, it is impossible for us to come here and worship God without asking for the forgiveness of our sin. Brothers and sisters, I don't think that worship is a switch that you put on the moment 9 o'clock on Sunday. No, it means you and I need to be present here before that time. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to stand up and exclaim what the Lord has done for us in our Christian life. If we vaguely participate of the emblems on the table, you and I are committing sin. And in 1 Corinthians 11, there very clearly Paul says, those who live in habitual sin, for this reason, some of them have fallen sick and some of them have physically died. That does not mean that all physical sin is a result of the punishment of God. But then when you and I have no remorse of sin in our life, when you and I come vaguely into God's presence, participate however we want to participate. You know, when we disgrace the Passover lamb, over and over and over again, the Lord will deal with me very severely. The Lord will deal with me very severely. Sin can hinder. Habitual sin can hinder my participation. Of the Lord's table. And number three. My yearning for God's word. Becomes very weak. Let me say that again. My yearning for God's word. Becomes very weak. Look at verse eight. Therefore let us keep the festival. Not with the old east. The east of malice and wickedness. But with bread without east. The bread of sincerity and truth. You know whenever I commit sin. Whenever we as an assembly commit sin. When you and I tolerate sin in our personal life. In our corporate church life, the yearning for God's word will become very, very weak. You look at what it says there in verses 8. It says, therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old east, not with sin, not with habitual sin. But it says, but with the bread of sincerity and truth. You know what sincerity? It refers to the way in which we live our lives. And the word truth is in reference to the Bible as to how we live our lives, on what basis we live our lives. Let us live our lives with the bread of sincerity and truth. With the bread of sincerity and truth. And you know, if there is sin in my life, many a times you and I will come to church and we feel physically tired. And we are not strong enough to sit through the message, to listen through the message. Many times you and I come and sit and all that we do is put marks on what's being delivered from the pulpit. That's what I mentioned to us earlier. You know, many times as a church, we become so hurt by things that are being mentioned from the pulpit. Remember, brothers and sisters, in the, in the Old Testament, when Ezra read from the law, the law in itself was enough to convict the sinner, the, the people of their sin. So much so they tore their sackcloths. They put dust on their head. And they repented of the sins that they had actually done. 
And when you and I tolerate sin in our life, it becomes very difficult for us to listen to the word of God. The bread of sincerity and truth, sincerity which talks about our Christian life, and bread which talk, and truth which talks about the word of God, does not become very powerful in my Christian life. When was the last time that you and I were convicted when we heard a sermon from the pulpit? Well, let me say it in this way. As soon as the worship gets done, what do we talk about when we go outside? Do we talk about the sermon? Do we talk about what the message was? Or are we eager to talk about all that happened during the week? Some of you are smiling. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We can spend hours and hours talking about nonsense outside. But can we take a minute to talk about what was spoken from the pulpit? When was the last time that you walked up to a Bible teacher in our church and thanked him for preaching and teaching the word of God? Not saying that it was a good message because that's not what we want to hear. But how has the word of God spoken to you? How has it convicted you? Would you take a minute to ask me how the word of God convicted me before I spoke from his word? When was the last time, oh CBF, visitors, friends, we spoke about the word of God as soon as our worship got done? Or are we eager to talk about what happened during the week? We are more concerned about how our work was, what new stuff we bought, new friends that we made, the place that we hung out to eat food. That's not what we are supposed to be talking about. There's time for that during the week. That's what WhatsApp and Facebook is for. This is one day a week we get to meet together to talk about God's word and how much it has impacted you in your Christian life. What happens to us when we tolerate sin? Remember I told you, these three points can be applied in our personal Christian life and it can be applied to our church life as well. Number one, when I tolerate sin, a small sickness will affect my entire body. A small yeast will work through its door. Oh church, when we tolerate sin today, that small sickness will spread into a flu which will later become untreatable for us. Number two, we saw that habitual sin affects my participation of the Lord's table. Let us not do this with negligence. And number three, we saw that sin, personally and together, sin will decrease my yearning for God's word. The bread of sincerity and truth will not be something that I truly enjoy when I come together to listen to God's word. Now that we know what happens when we tolerate sin, we need to look at the applications. So, what must I do? What must I do? And let me share three simple things with you and I pray that you will listen very carefully with me. Number one, let us all practice self-discipline or self-examination. Let us all practice self-discipline and self-examination. Yes, it is true that it is needed when someone else will have to examine you. We have godly elders and deacons who are doing that and I praise God for that. But let's lighten their burden by self-examining ourselves. Let's take a minute right now and ask ourselves that important question while not thinking about somebody else as to how do I personally affect the people that are there in my church. Does my speech offend anybody? Does my behavior offend anybody? Is there anything that I say that people would take for granted for, uh, negatively? Therefore, would I rather, be cho- rather choose to be quiet instead of saying it and messing the whole thing up? Do I involve with gossip? 
Do I regularly confess my sin? Do I have regular quiet times? Do I discourage anybody? Let's all ask ourselves this question. I think one of the biggest problems that we all might be struggling with is the sin of laziness. Yes or no? And I think that self-discipline or self-examination is an important factor in our Christian life. Can you and I make a decision right now that we will stop becoming lazy? That I will be part and parcel of every activity of the church? That I will give nothing less than 100%. Imagine a church where 180 people plus are there for everything that we do. Imagine a church like that. That is when the full power of God is demonstrated. Nobody will be able to stand against us. Can you and I examine our own spiritual life every single day? Can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27? Can somebody read that verse for me? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. So I beat my body and I make my body my slave. Paul does not say that I have become a slave to my body, but rather I beat my body. That when I come back home late from work and I'm tired, and all that my body tells me to do is sleep, I beat my body. I tell my body no, because that's what Jobin, that's what you desire to do, but there is a meeting. I need to be with the saints of God, and I will go for it. I will not make excuses, but I will beat so much so that it becomes a pattern for me in my Christian life. Please do not be satisfied with just going for work and coming back and sleeping and waking up in the morning. Brothers and sisters, that needs to change. Therefore, beat your body. Tell your body that your body is full of evil and sin and flesh and your body is supposed to be a slave to you. And Apostle Paul says, I will beat and make myself, my body, my slave, so that I will not be disqualified. So that when I preach, people will say that he is somebody who only preaches, but he can never practice. I do not want to be disqualified in any way. I do not want to be disqualified in any way. Can we just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 5? Can somebody read that verse for me? 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Exactly. You know, brothers and sisters, let us not take salvation to be very lightly. Examine yourself. Examine yourself to see where you stand in your relationship with the Lord. Do we call ourselves born again believers? Then every tree will be known by its fruit. Examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. If salvation is genuine in my Christian life. Or is it something that I vaguely remember doing many years back? But I have seen no fruit of it evidently in my Christian life. Please do not fool yourselves. Examine yourself, it says that very clearly. To see if we are part of the fellowship and the family of God. Number one, self-discipline. Self-examination. I'm sure there are so many of us who have the desire to do it. But we're just lazy. We just don't have enough strength. Or maybe we just don't care. But can that attitude change in our lives, brothers and sisters? Because if I have that attitude, I live in sin. And as we learn today from God's word, that sin not only affects me personally, it affects every single person in Calvary Bible Fellowship. 
if i have a problem with point number 1 why don't you listen to point number 2 number 2 be open to correction be open to correction if you and i find it difficult to self discipline ourselves self examine ourselves let us be open to correction why don't we ask mature brothers older brothers older sisters to mentor discipline sit with us talk to us about what is wrong in our life and open our ears for once and listen to correction I know that there are so many of us who might think this is who I am you need to accept me the way I am no that's foolishness you and I cannot be part of a church and say this is who I am this is the package that you get that's absolute foolishness let us all be open to correction let us not become stone hearted let us all have the attitude to change that when we hear conviction of sin from the pulpit you and i will sit there and say i am tired of the way i'm living that when an elder a deacon a, a, a mentor a older brother a mature sister talks to us sits us down and says that you need to change that we will change that we will not be like pharaoh who even in spite of all the miraculous things that was done he hardened his heart <laughs> and ultimately he was the only guy standing on the mountain and watching his great army going for a swimming day none of them came back after the swimming class my brothers and sisters let us all become open to correction if you turn to galatians chapter 6 verses 1 there it says brothers if someone is caught in a sin you who are spiritual should restore him gently but watch out watch yourself or you also may be tempted those of us who are spiritual should restore those of us who are falling in sin do we have spiritual people in our church yes or no shall we say praise the lord for them we have such godly people in our church that we can all look up to men and women of examples let us listen to them when they give us instructions from god's word let us be patient let us humble ourselves when they pinpoint sin in our lives when they mention it from the pulpit let us not get offended but let us say how do i change what that person has mentioned to me in my life Number one, self-discipline or self-examination. Number two, be open to correction. Number three, let the gospel work through you every single day. Let the gospel work through you every single day. If you and I are struggling with a particular sin, if you and I are involved in habitual sin, if you and I understood right now that there is particular habits in my life that I need to change. let the gospel work through you first john chapter 1 verse 9 can we say it together if you no 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 louder than that if you confess your sins he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of all of our sins and our unrighteousness if there is anybody sitting here who is struggling with a particular sin can i encourage you the first thing that you need to do is for, ask for the forgiveness of your sin Tell the Lord that you are sorry for the way in which you have sinned. Let's tell the Lord together as a church how we've committed sin. We've made empty promises. We stand here in the pulpit and we make bold claims, but personally we struggle. Let's also tell the Lord that we make excuses because of our struggles. We keep telling everybody, we keep telling everybody these are my struggles as a result of which I'm waiting to come out of it, but neither am I doing anything about it and I'm happy with the way I am. No. Let's tell the Lord that we are sorry. Let's tell the Lord I'm sorry for what I've done. Because we know that when we confess he is faithful, he is just and he will 
forgive us. Imagine a church that comes collectively together and asks for the forgiveness of their sin. And imagine individuals of the church asking for the confession of their sin and the forgiveness of God coming upon us. And imagine the power of God being evident in our church. That's exactly what Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, sin was the result of disobedience that fell upon man in the book of Genesis chapter 1. When God created man in his own image and likeness, and when God created man, God created man with the intention to have a relationship. But sin entered into that relationship and broke that relationship. And because you and I, as the Bible says, came through that one man, you and I were born in our sins. We are not sinners because of what we do. We are sinners because that is how we were born. The Bible very clearly states in Romans chapter 3 that all of us have committed sin and fallen short of the glory of God. It is true that the death of the Lord Jesus was to remove sin for the entire world. But I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody sitting here who has not yet accepted this free gift of salvation? If there is anybody sitting here listening to me speak from God's word right now, probably you've been a part of this church or probably you're visiting for the first time. Probably you come from a Christian home, you have a Christian name, but that doesn't matter. Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or have you realized right now that you have still been living in sin? Would you take a minute and would you ask the Lord to forgive you? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verses 9, if you confess your sins and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to extend that moment of salvation to anybody sitting here right now, listening to the word of God. If there is anybody sitting here who has not yet accepted the Lord Jesus, would you take a minute, wherever you are sitting, close your eyes, bow your head and tell, Lord, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? Would you come and live into my heart? If there is anybody who would like to make that decision, we request you after the worship is done, please come and talk to any one of us so that we can sit with you and pray for you. For all of us born again believers, how are we doing spiritually? Do we tolerate sin? Are we quiet when sin is evident in our personal life? When sin is evident in our church? Like I mentioned earlier, do we dust everything under the rug? Can I remind all of us in the light of what we heard from God's word that when we tolerate sin, a small sickness will affect the entire body. When I commit sin personally at home and I think that you don't know about it, my brothers and sisters, I come to church and that sin will affect the fellowship. It will affect unity. It will affect everything that we stand for. It will affect when others come and visit our church as well. Therefore, let us remember that a small sickness affects the entire body. Let us remind ourselves that sin will hinder, habitual sin will hinder my participation of the Lord's table. I will come and I will participate. But I am drinking and eating judgment upon myself. Not only that, when I do it in an unworthy manner, others will have questions. Others will start to wonder. And there will be a lot of chaos that will happen in the church. When I tolerate sin in my life, my yearning for God's word becomes weak. The bread of sincerity and truth is not something that we want to participate of. But rather we want to spend time talking about everything else under the sun. Can we make a decision from today onwards that we will spend time, quality time, yearning for the word of God? Not only on Sundays, but every other day of the week. Can we self-discipline ourselves and self-examine ourselves? Can we, during the week, not Sunday, during the week, examine our lives? 
ask and confess and set things right in our relationship with God so that on Sunday morning we are able to praise Him, worship Him for all that we've done. And if we struggle in that area, can we be open to correction? Can we ask somebody to keep a watch over ourselves? Can we ask someone to pinpoint mistakes that are there and be willing to accept it? Can we ask those who are mature to mentor, discipline, guide, tell us things that might be painful for us? And all of this is possible only if we allow the gospel through work to work through our life every single day. The gospel is so free, so pure, and it gives hope to any sinner who approaches the throne. Can I take a minute and ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head? The reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is so that you will examine your own spiritual life. My dear visitors, that you will examine your spiritual life. And CBF, we will examine our church life. Take a minute. Don't doze off. Take a minute to examine your own personal spiritual life. Am I living in sin? Today we've realized that the word of God says that my personal sin affects my church. And I am responsible for every crack that I see in church. Lord, I am very sorry without, that I have not realized that my sin is affecting everyone. Church, let us not become quiet. Let us not tolerate because that small sickness will grow and grow and become so dangerous that we would not be able to treat it later. And as we read in God's word, it is better that we do not fall into the judgment of a holy God. Would we all take a minute and ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins, our shortcomings, our excuses? Can we be open to correction? My dear friends, if there's any of you sitting here and you would like to receive the Lord Jesus, all you need to do is open your heart. Tell him that you're sorry. And the Lord Jesus comes and lives into our heart. I want to pray and close, but I want to give you a few seconds to pray whatever is there in your heart and set it right with the Lord. And then we will pray and when we close together loudly, we will say, Amen. I thank you, Father, that there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We are on our way to heaven. We know that. We rejoice. We glorify you because of that. But Lord, we struggle. We are sinful. We are forgetful. Many a times, Lord, I have come to church, we have come to church without thinking that my personal sin at home does not affect my, my spiritual life in church. And we are sorry for that, Father. Lord Jesus, would you please forgive us and allow us to self-discipline ourselves, to, to overcome the yeast of, of, of laziness, of wickedness, of slander, of gossip, and to clothe ourselves with the, of, of the bread of sincerity and truth. Enable us to live our lives in accordance to your word, Father. Would you give us the strength, Lord, the grace that we need to overcome our addictions, our problems, our difficulties. And Lord, if we find it difficult to do it by ourselves, can we ask somebody else to help us, Lord? Would you lead us to the right person that we can ask to discipline us? Thank you for godly elders, godly deacons, women who lead us, teach us from the word of God, teach us to be submissive to them, never to question, but to obey them wholeheartedly, Lord. And also to ease their burden in, when, in any way that we can. Father, I want to pray for my dear friends who have not yet accepted you. 
this would be a chance for them to understand what it means to receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. Bless this time, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather together. We pray that after this, we would spend time in, in, in good fellowship, in, in profitable speech with each other. We pray that you would bless our friends and thank them. We thank you for bringing them here together, Lord. Father, Lord, if you are to return today after the worship, what a joy. We would be with you together once and forever. But if you are to tarry for this day and this week, pray that you would bless the week to us. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. For it is in your precious name we ask and we pray.